Welcome to Dan Dan the Pearman Podcast, brought to you by all things strange, unusual, and unknown in the world. Take a walk with me, your host Dan, as we explore the world of the strange, unusual, unexplained, and the unknown. During our time together, we will look at facts, findings, experiences, and research of current and past encounters. It is my pleasure and passion of the supernatural and unknown that has sparked this podcast to life in a small city in central Michigan. Let's not waste any more time and jump right into today's episode. Episode 6, True Crime Meets the Paranormal. May 26th, 1954. Danny Harold Rowling, known as the Gainesville Ripper, was an American serial killer who murdered five students in Gainesville, Florida, over four days in August 1990. He later confessed to raping several of his victims committing a triple homicide in his home city of Shreveport, Louisiana, and attempting to murder his father in May 1990. In total, Rowling confessed to killing eight people. He was sentenced to death for the five Gainesville murders in 1994. He was executed by lethal injection in 2006. Danny Rowling was born in Shreveport, Louisiana. His father was a Shreveport police officer named James Rowling, who told Danny that he was unwanted from birth. James also abused and beat Danny, Danny's mother Claudia, and his brother Kevin for frivolous things, such as breathing in a way that displeased him. In one incident, Danny's mother went to the hospital after claiming her husband tried to make her cut herself with a razor blade. She made repeated attempts to leave her husband, but always returned shortly. In one example of the senior Rowling's sense of discipline, he pinned Danny to the ground, handcuffed him, then had police take his son away because he was embarrassed by him. In another story, Danny had a dog, but James beat the dog so often that it died in Danny's arms. As a teenager and young adult, Rowling was arrested several times for robberies in Georgia and was caught spying on a woman getting dressed. As an adult, he had trouble trying to assimilate into society and hold down a steady job. At one point, Rowling worked as a waiter at Pancho's restaurant. In August 1990, Rowling murdered five students one student from Santa Fe College and four from the University of Florida during a burglary and robbery spree in Gainesville, Florida. He mutilated his victims' bodies, decapitating one. He then posed them. In the early morning hours of Friday, August 24th, Rowling broke into the apartment shared by two university freshmen, 18-year-old Sonia Larson and 17-year-old Christina Powell. Finding Powell asleep on the downstairs couch, he stood over her briefly, but did not wake her up, choosing instead to go to the upstairs bedroom where Larson was also asleep. Rowling murdered Larson, first taping her mouth shut to stifle her screams, and then stabbing her to death with a K-bar knife. She died trying to fend him off. 
Rowling then went back downstairs, taped Powell's mouth shut, bound her wrists together behind her back and threatened her with the knife as he cut her clothes off, then raped her and forced her face down onto the floor where he stabbed her five times in the back. Rowling posed the bodies in sexually provocative positions. He then took a shower before leaving the apartment. A day later, on Saturday, August 24th, Rowling broke into the apartment of 18-year-old chemistry honor student Krista Hoyt at a nearby Santa Fe college, prying open a sliding glass door with a screwdriver. Finding she was not home, he waited in the living room for her to return. At 11 a.m., Hoyt entered the apartment and Rowling surprised her from behind, placing her in a chokehold. After she had been subdued, he used duct tape to gag her mouth and bind her wrists together behind her back and led her into the bedroom, where he cut her clothes off and raped her. As in the Powell murder, he forced her to lie face down onto the bed and stabbed her in the back, rupturing her aorta. He then flipped her body over and sliced her abdomen open from her pubic bone to her breastbone. After arriving back at his campsite, Rowling could not find his wallet, thinking he may have lost it at the murder scene. He returned there, at which time he decapitated Hoyt, posed her body in a sitting position at the edge of her bed, and placed her head on a shelf facing the corpse. He later claimed his intent was to add to the shock of whoever discovered her. By this point, the murders had attracted widespread media attention. Many students had begun taking extra precautions, such as changing their daily routines and sleeping together in groups. Because the spree was happening so early in the fall semester, some students withdrew their enrollment or transferred to other schools. Tracy Paulus, who was 23 years old, was living with her roommate, Manny Taboda, also 23. On Monday, August 27th, Rowling broke into their apartment by prying open their sliding glass door with the same tools he had used previously. Rowling found Taboda asleep in one of the bedrooms and killed him after a struggle. Hearing the commotion, Paulus went down the hall to Taboda's bedroom and saw Rowling. She attempted to barricade herself in her bedroom, but Rowling broke through the door. He then taped her mouth and wrists cut off her clothing, and raped her before turning her over and stabbing her three times in the back. Rowling posed Paulus's body, but left Taboda's in the same position in which he had died. With the exception of Taboda, all of the victims were petite white brunettes with brown eyes, like Rowling's mother. Although law enforcement initially had very few leads, police did identify two suspects. One suspect was Edward Lewis Humphrey, a University of Florida student who had a history of mental illness and bore numerous scars on his face from a car accident. Humphrey was arrested after a physical altercation with his grandmother and held in custody for five months until a grand jury refused to indict him on the murder charges, citing insufficient evidence. Humphrey's photo was shown repeatedly by media outlets. Authorities publicly cleared him of all charges after Rowling's arrest. The other suspect was also later cleared. 
Louisiana police alerted Florida authorities to an unsolved triple murder in Shreveport on November 4, 1989. Detectives noted that there were similarities between the Gainesville murders and those of 55-year-old Tom Grissom, his 24-year-old daughter Julie, and his 8-year-old grandson Sean. The family had been attacked in their home as they were preparing for dinner. Afterwards, Julie Grissom's body had been mutilated, cleaned, and posed. Don Maines, an investigator on the case with the Florida Department of Law Enforcement, traveled to Shreveport in November 1990 because of the similarities between the murders committed in Gainesville and murders committed in Shreveport. They included posing of the victims, tape residue on the victims' bodies, and vinegar used to clean the body. Maine said they tested the body fluids from the perpetrator in Shreveport and found that this person also had type B blood. He called the match to the evidence in Gainesville a revelation in the case. Shortly after Maine's trip to Shreveport, a Shreveport resident, Cindy Urisich, called Crime Stoppers and reported that Danny Rowling was possibly connected to the murders in both cities. Three months earlier, in August 1990, Urisich heard a news report about a string of murders as she traveled through the Florida Panhandle. The report made her think about Rowling, whom she had met at her Louisiana hometown church, and his possible link to these three other Shreveport murders. Rowling had said deeply disturbing things to both her and her then-husband, Stephen Dobbin. He had come over every night for a while, and then one night Stephen came in, and he goes, He's got to go, Urisich said. She also said that Dobbin told her that Rowling had told him he had a problem. He likes to stick knives into people, Stephen said. Urisich said she dismissed these comments when she heard about them because she didn't want to believe Rowling could be responsible for the murders in Shreveport. Rowling also told her, one day I'm going to leave this town and I'm going to go where the girls are beautiful and I can just lay in the sun and watch beautiful women all day. News of the Gainesville murders haunted Urisich, so she finally contacted police in November 1990. Based on her hunch about Rowling's connection to the murders in both cities, it would not let me rest, she said. One day, I picked up the phone, I called Crime Stoppers, and I said, I think there's one guy y'all need to investigate. Danny Rowling. Investigators responded to the tip and quickly found Rowling, who had been arrested on September 7, 1990, for an Alcala, Florida supermarket robbery. The robbery had been committed 10 days after the bodies of Paulus and Tabota were found. Rowling was being held in the Marion County Jail 40 miles south of Gainesville. Investigators determined that Rowling had type B blood like the suspect in both the Gainesville and Shreveport murders. Once Florida investigators realized that Rowling had multiple convictions for armed robbery, they realized he could have also been responsible for the bank robbery that occurred on the day Krista Hoyt's body was found. They returned to the evidence locker where the gun, screwdriver, bag of money, and cassette player had been stored, and listened to the tape. They also found tools 
matching marks left at the Gainesville murder scenes. The small camp where he had been living was in a wooded area near apartment complexes frequented by students. Investigators discovered audio diaries he had made there alluding to the crimes. Later, it was discovered that on August 5, 1990, Rowling broke into the home of Janet Frack in Sarasota, Florida. He bound and gagged her with duct tape while he sexually assaulted her, but did not kill her. In November 1991, Rowling was charged with five counts of murder. He was brought to trial nearly four years after the murders. He claimed his motive was to become a superstar, similar to Ted Bundy. In 1994, before his trial could get underway, Rowling unexpectedly pleaded guilty to all charges. Subsequently, state attorney Rod Smith presented the penalty phase of the prosecution. During this trial, Court TV conducted an interview with Rowling's mother from her home, during which his father could be heard shouting off camera. On April 20th, 1994, Rowling was sentenced to death. Rowling was diagnosed with antisocial personality disorder, borderline personality disorder, and paraphilia shortly before he was executed in Florida for the series of killings in Gainesville. Rowling claimed responsibility for the Shreveport murders, handing his spiritual advisor, Reverend Mike Hudspeth, and Florida police a handwritten confession and apology. Rowling had a last meal of lobster tail. He sang a gospel hymn, but made no statement immediately before his execution which was witnessed by many of his victim's relatives. Rowling was executed by lethal injection at Florida State Prison on October 25, 2006, after the U.S. Supreme Court rejected a last-ditch appeal. He was pronounced dead at 6.13 p.m. Fast forward to Friday, January 14, 2022. Scream, the true story launches on streaming platform Discovery Plus. Starring local Saginaw, Michigan, paranormal investigator Steve Shippey and renowned psychic medium Cindy Kaza, join forces to uncover the truth behind Rowling's claims that a demon made him kill. We all know the Scream films, but the inspiration behind them is a terrifying true story that many don't know, said Shippey. As we began to peel back the layers, the investigation became more and more disturbing. There was a malicious, devious energy coming at us from every angle. It felt like pure evil. This was one of the most intense and challenging experiences I've ever had, said Kaza. We made contact with a sinister presence, and it was definitely the most manipulative spirit that I have ever worked with. I felt like I was being messed with during the entire investigation. It shook me to my core. Shippy and Kaza are the first to ever conduct a paranormal investigation at the campsite near the University of Florida campus from which Rowling stalked his victims, as well as inside his childhood home in Shreveport, Louisiana where aggressive poltergeist activity plagues the current homeowners. 
interviews with experts and those connected to the case, including Rowling's ex-fiance, reveal that evil has run in his family for generations. Shippy and Kaza are confronted by powerful, malevolent energy during their intense investigation. Could it be the demonic force that possessed Rowling? Or is it the spirit of Rowling himself? Fearing for everyone's safety, they call on a demonologist to conduct an exorcism and help battle off the evil forces. With this case in particular, it was about trying to discern was Danny Rowling truly influenced by some sort of darker spirit? Danny didn't make these claims after he was arrested while the media attention was on him. He was making these claims far before he was caught at his campsite. At night, he would stalk his victims. He made a series of audio recordings where he was ranting for hours about this demon Gemini that would come to him, and he would be changed and taken over. It is interesting to wonder, was Danny already under the demonic influence? Or did he almost conjure a demonic influence by believing he was, and committing these murders and almost opening a gateway to potentially being possessed, said Shippy. I don't want to give away everything from Scream, the true story on Discovery Plus, so I'm going to stop there. But I do very much recommend going and watching Scream, the true story, if you have not yet seen it. It is very well worth the hour and a half long that it is. Extremely informative and just mind-blowing. Thank you all for joining me for Season 2, Episode 6, True Crime Meets the Paranormal. If you're an avid listener of Dan Dan the Paraman, please like, follow, leave a review, and share. You can find us on Spotify, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen at as well as on Instagram at DanDanThePairmanPodcast, online at DanDanThePairmanPodcast.buzzsprout.com, and you can contact us through email at DanDanThePairmanPodcast at gmail.com. Send us an email with all your strange encounters or ghost stories to have them end up on a future episode. And remember, stay tuned for more fun facts, findings, and experiences of current and past strange, unusual, and unknown encounters. You'll be able to find all this information in the show notes as well.